Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of Hashtag Pistons. Um, I'm Joe, I'm still your host, and we're back for another season. This season we're going to do things a little bit differently. I'm hopefully not going to be all on my lonesome quite so much. And um, one of my guests that I'm going to have with some regularity this year is the man who's with me today. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Koo. What's going on, guys? It's Kuka Hill. You can hit me up on Twitter at Kuka Hill MBA. You can also find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. It's Koo's Ballroom. You can also find me there for all kinds of NBA and Pistons contests. <laughs> yeah, and um, he also, so Koo also writes with me at Piston Powered, and yeah. as well as he writes on, he writes some Lions stuff on my site at Truck Thoughts, so uh-huh. yeah, if you want to find Koo Cahill anywhere, you can do that there. So this season, things are going to be a little bit different with the podcast. Um, in the past two years, I've been super inconsistent and just sort of recorded whenever I had time. We're going to try and be more consistent and try and go almost every day once the season gets started at least, Um, which obviously means that we'll talk about more than just the Pistons, but that's okay. Uh, So that's going to be the tentative plan, and Koo says he's up to be on quite a bit, so he'll be on a lot. and then um, definitely up for that. Yeah, and we'll also have on um, Ryan Love, who's now writing at Hashtag Basketball. So yeah, so that will be the tentative plan this year. Um, today we're just going to talk about some basic preseason stuff. Um, not everything. We'll talk about some more hopefully before the next game yet, but or before the season actually starts. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, the biggest news probably out of the Pistons preseason as far as um, stuff that we... Because the reality is that for most preseason stuff, it's like, well, we could talk about this, but none of it really matters, obviously. <laughs> It's, it's there's going to be something we talk about later that matters to uh, oh, yeah. all of our followers of the Henry Ellison shit. Yeah, we'll talk about the Henry Ellison boat and its its status later. But the one, the biggest news probably was Zach Lofton um, coming out of preseason here. He was, the Pistons initially did still have um, Reggie Hearn signed to a two-way deal, and Zach Lofton straight up took that away by playing really well in um, camp, supposedly, and then also in preseason, obviously. So, yeah, what do you think about Zach Lofton and the whole that whole deal, Koo? Um, You know, I really like Zach Lofton. Uh, ever since, like, the first preseason game, when I got to see him, I know I told you guys all, you know, our little group we have, I told you guys I really liked him. He seemed like a pure scorer. He had a good shot, too. And, you know, especially with the way Dwayne Casey is working our team now, if you see that we already shot, like, way, like, a lot of threes already, and we're going to be shooting, like, way more threes this year than we did last year or any year under Van Gundy. So, like, having a player like that on the team under a two-way, I never really saw Reggie Hearn play either for the Pistons. So, at least this guy it looks like a pure scorer. I really like him because he can spark the ball out there, especially if we're going to need something like that, if we're going to be shooting threes like that. So, you know, I saw you and Vince going back and forth at each other with, uh, you know, you want, I know you wanted a backup floor just in case, you know, Blake went down or some. You can clarify more on that, but I saw you two going back and forth. And pretty much what Vince said was, you know, Lofton brings some upside. So, like, just in case we lose Stanley or Reggie next year, Lofton, even though he's 25, could bring somewhat of upside because he just shows that he's already a pure scorer and could develop into, like, you know, maybe some, a role player of some sort. 
Well, okay. You say I was going back and forth with Vince. And you were, say, you were. When I say Vince, that's Vincent Ellis, who's um, he's the beat writer for uh, on the Pistons. He's the Pistons beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, and he's really good. We like Vince a lot. Um, he's honestly, he's probably my favorite of the beat writers, to be honest. Don't tell any of the other ones. Fortunately, none of them listen to this, I'm sure. So, um, <laughs> but I wasn't really going back and forth about it. Like, let's just be clear. I'm totally fine with, um, Lofton getting a, getting a two-way deal. He really played at a high level in preseason. I like what I saw from him. So I'm totally fine with that. And one of the things I was trying to get at, and I actually had tried to, I'd actually tried to hit up some of the other beat writers to get a response out of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. But <laughs> so basically what Vince said is that this front office is going with upside in these types of situations, which yeah. makes sense. They're not as worried about a guy who can fill in for a few games. Um, they're more worried about, so they're basically, it's a little bit like drafting. He also Brown. knows that could be different that that's something different from the yeah so he it's it's a little bit like the um Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown the two guys that the Pistons drafted this year is that they didn't draft either of those guys with strong intentions of them playing much this season because the Pistons for this year are almost certainly the deepest spot is sort of on the wing and guards I mean at shooting guard in particular like and you've got obviously Reggie Bullock Luke Kennard, and Langston Galloway. You legitimately have three guys who can all really play. And, you know, at point guard also, um, Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith, and Jose Calderon. I don't see them overtaking either of those guys. And then also, obviously, Stanley Johnson and Glenn Robinson are there as well. So just, you know, that's where they're deepest on the roster this year. They drafted those guys because, as Vince said, and you mentioned too, um, Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson are both going to be free agents after this year. Stanley Johnson yeah. will be a restricted free agent. Reggie Bullock will be an unrestricted free agent. And so with the Pistons cap situation, there's a very good chance that at least one of those two guys is going to be gone after this season. And not totally unrealistic that both of them could be gone. So they drafted those two guys. And then, you know, with the Bruce Brown potential point guard experiment thing, um, Ish Smith is also a free agent after this year, and obviously Jose Calderon won't be here anymore either. So, yeah, so they drafted those guys looking at, not this year, but looking at next year. And then basically with Zach Lofton and the Pistons' two-way contracts this year, they're doing the same sort of a thing, which that makes sense. That's a good line of thought. I've got no problems with that. Um, yeah, and one thing, other thing from that exchange with Vince that I thought was good is so he says i remember looking at all the past training camp tackling dummies that have come through here for a decade (laughs) lofton stands out among that very forgettable crowd and then he mentions also that he hasn't ever seen keenan evans play the other two-way guy that the pistons have who's a point guard but you know to have a guy because vince has covered the team for a long time and he says loft that lofton really stands out among all the sort of just random dudes that you pull off the street so I'm, yeah, like you've told me, uh, I know you've made sure to tell me that he's not very good on defense, and that's you know, big reason why he went undrafted, correct? Undrafted. I mean, look, I haven't like done. I'm not gonna bother to do a super deep dive on any preseason games, but just from just from some sort of basic looking at it, um, he certainly did not stand out a whole lot as a defensive guy. 
And then the other thing that I see with him is that he's not... I mean, he did have that one huge dunk, which was cool, but um, I'm not sure how much he'll be able to do ball handling stuffs against actual NBA competition and actual NBA games, which I mean, he's... So, like, I'm when Vince says that, you know, he's got upside, Zach Lofton is a rookie, so that yeah. is, you know, he is 25, but he's a rookie, so there is definitely some potential for him to improve this year. But just, I'm not sure how much he'll be able to handle the ball, so he may, no, the reality is if he hits threes at a really high rate, he won't need to handle the ball a whole lot. He can be something yeah. akin to a sort of like a, a guard version of Anthony Tolliver, where uh-huh. now last year Anthony Tolliver started to attack off the bounce more. But, you know, a guy who he's out there, he's going to shoot threes. That's all he does, but he does it a lot, and he's good at it. And that can yeah, work like out for him. Yeah, like you said, preseason, you can't really read too much into it, but he did shoot 40% on two and a half attempts a game. So, uh, yeah, it's not a big sample, but he looks like, from what I've watched and, and everything, looks like a just a pure scorer, a really good shooter, just a really good, just a really good score in the offensive end. Everything else, I mean, you talk about the ball hand. I don't think with this squad, if you can just spark it, I think that would be you, you could find a role in the team. Not this year, obviously, but moving forward with Casey long term, with the way that we're already showing that we're going to shoot threes through the preseason. If you could just spark it, I think you could find a role in the team if you can just like get everything else at or at least like average. You feel me? Yeah, so yeah, so he's definitely got potential. So from that perspective, I totally get it. Um and I'm on board with uh I'm on board with, you know, that that approach to it by the by the front office. Um to instead of just, well, let's try and find a guy who can maybe provide the provide a few minutes at some point in the season, um and not die go for a guy who may be able to be an actual... Okay, so it's sort of like, you know, with when you get a guy like Dwight Bikes, or even though he wasn't on a two-way contract, um, Eric Moreland last year is another guy that they kind of just pulled off the street. When you get a guy like that, you're just hoping that if they have to play, they can do so and not have the entire team collapse while they're on the floor. And for what it's worth, both of those guys did accomplish that. And they both played meaningful minutes. And both guys, when they were on the floor, were just barely net positive. I think Dwight Bikes was like plus .1 per 100 possessions, which is pretty uh-huh. much just neutral. And then um, Eric Moreland was like plus .7 per 100 possessions. So, obviously, that's not impressive, but when you consider that they pulled them off the street, that's certainly not bad. And, um, yeah, so that's just uh, that's the thing that you have to consider. So... Lofton is not going to be able to do that this year, I don't think. I Maybe he would be able to, but just he'd be so far down the pecking order, I have to imagine. Yeah, that. you're going to get to see him a lot over in Grand Rapids covering them. You're going to get to see, like, hands-on. Yeah, well, I like, hope so. And yep. my guess is, given how willing he is to shoot threes, he'll probably be fun. Um, yeah, you know, we don't even we don't One even of the have... things I, uh, I really think that... Go ahead. No, you you got it. Because I was going to change the things topic. I really like... Uh, took away from your, you and Vince's exchange on Twitter, which everybody should just go check out, because, you know, my from my personal opinion, Vince is always a good, a funny person to watch conversate with people on Twitter, but one of the things I took away from it was the fact that he talked about how 
Joe's idea of just getting like a backup four or just like his suggestion of possibly getting a four in case Blake were to go down or something Van Gundy would do. And, you know, like all signs point towards like throughout the offseason and from what we've heard is that this this front office is going to be more like the word. I don't want to use risky, but like more outgoing to like try to do things that Van Gundy wouldn't necessarily have tried to do. So like you can't expect the Pistons off, uh, front office to be more aggressive in everything they do, which is, I think, something that could be really exciting for Pistons fans. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what I think. I'm, you know, we'll have to see how it works out. I mean, we're we haven't even started the first actual season. Um, mm-hmm. There is a degree to which um, I think that it's not totally fair to criticize. Van Gundy's approach to at least this specific, right? There's lots of critiques that can be made of Stan Van Gundy's um, front office decisions, but when you consider what he did when he would sort of, when they would occasionally pull guys essentially off the street or off the um, garbage heap, I mean, he did pretty well. I mean, Dwight Bikes and Eric Moreland both, once again, played meaningful minutes last year. They got Anthony Tolliver off the waiver wire initially, they got Reggie Bullock as a throw-in to a trade that when they really, they just wanted Marcus Morris and they got Reggie Bullock just as a throw-in. Um, you know, so yeah, it's he not... he did some good things through trading. Yeah, so he did some, he did a decent job of getting guys sort of out of the bargain bin in various ways uh-huh. that were able to contribute meaningful minutes. So, I mean, here's basically the thought, okay? And the main point that Vince made about Blake Griffin, this wasn't, Whatever, we're talking about it, so that's what's happening. Um, is that if Blake Griffin goes down, the Pistons are going to be screwed. There's not re- You can't replace Blake Griffin. And that is true. Uh-huh. Obviously, if you sign a guy, so I couldn't even, I, just because he was he played with the drive all of last year, I don't know if, he's, if he'd be good enough to be, to be an NBA player or not. But regardless, okay, just because he played for the drive last year, um, Derek Willis, he played at Kentucky for four years. He's a good shooter. He's a power forward. He's like 6'10", and he's a good shooter. Um, once again, I'm not sure if he's actually good enough to be an NBA player or not, but regardless, we'll just pretend for a moment. So if you have, like, Derek Willis or something, obviously you're not trying to replace Blake Griffin. Like, clearly, that's not the yeah, case. Yeah, obviously. I, I get you. But, so, because Vince brought up, because I said, well, Dwight Bikes gave pretty good minutes last year, and Vince said, well, you know, that's a bad example because the Pistons fell apart anyways. Dwight Bikes didn't save them from Reggie Jackson getting hurt. The Pistons didn't fall apart because Dwight Bikes was incapable. The Pistons fell apart because Ish Smith was incapable of replacing Reggie Jackson. Yeah. You know, like I said, when Dwight Bikes was on the floor, the Pistons were actually just barely a net positive. They were not a net negative. And then, yeah, I don't know if you were in this crowd or not, but I know me and a couple other people thought that maybe Dwight Bikes should be starting instead of Ish just because we want Ish to be running with that second unit last year. Not because Dwight's better than Ish, but simply because, you know, Ish is pretty good with the second unit. He's, through two years of Reggie Jackson going down, we've gotten what we've seen from Ish at the starting unit. It's not something that is very pretty, to keep it, to say the least. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I I was I I don't know how bikes would have done as a full time starter just for various reasons, but I certainly was open to the idea. And ironically, so was Vince. I remember he actually wrote a thing last year about maybe having Dwight Bikes start. 
But, uh-huh. um, but so, okay, so they fell apart because the gap between Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith was so big. Not because the gap between Dwight Bikes and Ish Smith was so big. No, the bench was better with Ish Smith than with Dwight Bikes. I'm not saying Dwight Bikes was better than Ish Smith. But, you know, so the theory then, because, okay, so if we say, which is, we'll talk about this more later, but if Henry Ellenson is, in fact, he's just not. It's just not ever going to work out for Henry, okay? Which, I mean, you are not totally off the boat. The boat is definitely sinking. I'm going down with that boat as far down as it goes. Yeah, we're both going down with the ship. We're going to hold on. We've been on it too long to get off now. But, (laughs) simply put, it is not unrealistic to say Henry Ellenson might be, you know, more or less done. So if we go with that assumption, okay, which most people already have, me and you are like two of the only people still holding (laughs) on, okay, then at the four spot, you have Blake Griffin, who's probably, even if you're being optimistic, is probably going to get dinged up and miss at least 10 games this year. John Luer, who didn't play at all last year practically, and, you know, we could ask Sham how long it's been since he's hit a three-pointer. Okay, (laughs) It's been a long time since he's hit a three. Or you're going with, um, I going small with Stanley Johnson or Glenn Robinson the third, which I like the idea of Stanley Johnson as a four. I've always liked that idea, but it's worth remembering neither him or Glenn Robinson have ever done that in an NBA game. Like there's maybe been a couple of minutes where they have, but both guys have spent uh-huh. more time playing shooting guard than they have power forward. So. Yeah. So now, if either one of Blake Griffin or John Luer gets hurt, which, once again, not unlikely that they miss at least a few games, then you pretty much, the only option you have for your backup four spot is going small with a guy who's never really done it before. And that's not saying that Stanley Johnson as a small ball four for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes per game can't work. Because actually, I'm I'm on board with it. I think that it probably would work. Yeah, so am I. But you have to be open to the idea that, you know, when you do something that you haven't really done at all, that it might fail. It could blow up right in your face. So if it turns out, actually, Stanley Johnson is definitively not a power forward, which so many people, they want to just take everybody and move them down a position today. And there's actually a lot of cases where it just it doesn't work, where they just can't do the things that you need to do to make that work out. And if that happens with Stanley Johnson, and Henry Ellenson is truthfully, he just he is not good enough to play, then guess what happens? If Blake Griffin or John Luer get hurt, you're screwed. And uh-huh. you're going to have, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per game where your backup fours are in, where <laughs> you're just going to have an absolute gaping hole. So that's where you would sign a guy, potentially. So, you know, once again, Dwight Bikes type, Eric Moreland type, where obviously they're not bringing starter-level production, but you can put them out there, they can play 15 minutes a game, and they can at least not totally tank the lineup they're in. And then Uh here's why that can matter, because the Pistons are trying to make the playoffs, right, obviously. And I'm more optimistic, but most people pin them as a sort of back-end playoff team, right? You know, between 6th and 8th seed. And when you're in that sort of... They're in kind of the middle of a big scrum at the sort of third tier, I suppose it would be, of the Eastern Conference. And in that case, so if we just say, all right, Blake Griffin misses 10 games, 
having a guy on the roster you can put in and give that sort of Dwight Bikes, Eric Moreland level production where at the very least they're going to keep the lineups from totally tanking, right? They're going to not do what Jameer Nelson did last year when he played, where <laughs> when he was on the floor, the Pistons just got slaughtered every time. I'm not going to bother to bring it up, but like when he was his his net rating when he was on the floor was like minus 30 or something like that. Just absolutely yeah, terrible. Bad. So, you know. Like just dust walking around. Yeah, so have someone on the team who's able to make it so that that doesn't happen. Instead of going minus 30 per 100 possessions, they're about zero. That can be the difference between going, you know, if you've got that guy, maybe you go four and six or five and five without Blake. And if you don't have that guy, maybe you're going two and eight without him. And that can be a big difference when you're at, when you're sort of figuring to be at the back end of a playoff race. So uh-huh. that's the thought process. Now, once again, I want to be abundantly clear about the main thing is that I'm all on board with Zach Lofton getting the two-way deal. Um, he looked really good, and once again, the praise that Vince said about that he really stands out among all the just sort of random guys that they've pulled off the street in training camp, that's really good. And more than anything else, I think with these sorts of deals, if because so often you get guys on these kind of deals where they just are not NBA players, um, you know, it's almost like the draft. There's so many guys that are going to be misses. And it's kind of a crapshoot. So when you find a guy, it's like, I think this guy can play. It doesn't matter what position he plays. It doesn't, you know, just get him. So, and Zach Lofton looks like he may well be one of those guys. It's just like, you know what? This guy can play and we can have him on a two-way deal. And so many guys on two-way deals just cannot play NBA basketball. And Lofton looks like he may be a guy who can do that. So you know what? Screw it. Get him. I'm totally on board with that. All I was trying to do with Vince, and this is why we weren't, we weren't really like going at each other. I was just trying to explain. Yeah, I'm just trying to explain the thought process, and so I'm all on board with the idea of this front office looking at sort of, sort of future prospects instead of just well, what if we have to have someone fill in for ten games this year? But I just want to point out to people that. If, if we go with the assumption that Henry Ellenson is just, it's never going to happen for him. He is not an NBA player. If they play him, he will go Jameer Nelson. That's what will happen. Okay. <laughs> if that's the case, and either Blake Griffin or John Luer gets hurt, you may, you may start to miss the fact that, it, you know, you may regret having Keenan Evans as your other two-way guy. Right, yeah. because you're probably not going to need a point guard at all this year. Um, there's a very realistic chance that they end up having yeah, a need for a force. That confuses so. me. Yeah, we already got three point guards. We could use that one on. Well, I think they're looking at the future point. with him too, because once again, Ish Smith is going to be a free agent after this season, and I'm, I'm even if they re-sign him, Jose Calderon is so old he's not. You know, he'd only be a third guard still. So they yeah. they're probably looking at the future there too. So, Fair enough. and you know, once again, I'm totally okay with that. I'm fine with them being more forward thinking with that sort of thing. Um, both guys are pretty young, so we'll see where how that goes. I'm just trying to sort of talk out the, um, the thought process at the very least. So yeah, we ended up talking about that for <laughs> a lot longer than we thought. Um, well, we had to get in there because you you and Vince had a good little exchange. We had to talk about that. One. Yeah, that's true. 
Um, so I'm, we're at like 24 minutes, so I guess we'll just talk about the Henry Ellenson ship that we're on here, just because it's kind of connected with that. Um, I mean, it's like I said, both of us have pretty much decided that we've both rode for this dude for so long that it's too late for us to abandon ship. You know, yeah, I currently got the duct tape taping up all the holes. Yeah, we can't, we're gonna, we're, we're going down with this ship. Um... And for what it's worth, that's not just a joke. Like, I still look at Henry Ellenson, and I, you can see a useful NBA player. Like, just a guy with his size and skill. There are not a lot of guys who are as big as he is and as comfortable handling the ball as he is. You know what I mean? Um, there was one play, I think it was in the first preseason game against the Thunder, where you saw his potential on, like, back-to-back-to-back possessions, where there was one possession where he got the rebound and he just took it the length of the floor, he ended up passing out of it, and then they didn't really do anything initially. But, you know, that sort of a thing, that's a benefit that he has, that you can't just find dudes off the street who can do that. And then on the next possession, he hit a three, and then on the next possession after that, he got a kick-out pass from somebody, and the defender closed out, he pump-faked him into the air, and then he put the ball on the floor, drove in, and hit a nice layup in traffic, and, like, he's got that sort of a skill set and package that's like, man, it's so intriguing if he can... The problem, though, is that he just hasn't hit enough shots, you know? Like, I mean, he's in theory a guy who can shoot from three, but I'm obviously tiny tiny sample size, but in preseason, he shot 16% from deep. I think he hit one or two threes the whole preseason. Like, and he struggled to shoot threes at other stops in the past. He's been good at times. He's also been bad at times. And even beyond just the threes, there's just, I mean, in Summer League this year in particular, it's like, and that's honestly the one where it's most concerning. It's like, he just, he do all the right things. There's an extent to which it's almost like Stanley Johnson, right? Where he does all the right things. He gets the right moves and such. Just when it time, the time comes to get the ball in the basket, he just can't manage yeah. to do it. And yeah, I know. Uh, Lav, Lav, for uh, he writes for Detroit Bad Boys, right? Yeah. He uh, he's um, one of those people who just don't like Henry Ellison. And you know, I think it was the last game of the preseason or the second to last game. Henry like crossed out somebody on the sideline and like sent him sent him running and an open midi after the great move and air ball. Well, yeah. the shot. That's <laughs> exactly Laz, it, really. Laz is like, come on, Henry, please. I'm, you're trying your hardest. Just please make me like you. Yeah. But, like, it's, he, he, like, if you watch Henry play, you can just see it. Like, the guy, when you watch him on offense, just looks so, like, so polished on offense. And it's just, like, you can see that he can, like, he has that skill on offense. But, like you said, it just comes down to him having to hit shots and then, again, just being not a – uh, historically bad defender on the off, on the defensive side, but we can. Sham talks about that a lot with the defense. But me and you have been sure, been uh, sure to say that like if his offense, if he can just make his shots, that will balance out the defense to a certain extent. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not so worried about about his defense because you know you're not. I think no one's really hoping Henry Ellenson becomes like even a starter-level player. The hope is that he becomes a sort of back-end rotation guy. And the reality is that when you're going against bench mobs and you're playing, you know, 15 minutes a game, you can be a bad defender. Just (laughs) 
that's just kind of the reality. You can they can find a place for you to hide, and you know you're not going to be having to get switched out onto really skilled players with any regularity who are just going to absolutely cook you. Um, so I'm not I'm just I'm not that worried about his defense because, you know I don't think that anyone's planning on him taking on a role that's they'll be big enough to where that would be a huge issue. The issue is that he just he hasn't hit enough shots. So. Um, I will say once again, the Pistons better hope that he finds something because if he's literally not playable, they're really short up front, which... Yeah, it didn't look good towards the end of the preseason. He wasn't playing as much as he did the game preseason. Now, that may, like... And he basically... Going, like, he basically... Like, different people, but... He basically stopped playing him at... Yeah. Playing him. He, he played the first three games, and then he played a little in the last one in garbage time, but... The last two preseason games, they pretty much cut him out of the rotation and just went small. And mm-hmm. now that it's preseason, so like I don't, I try, I try my hardest not to read. Well, the okay, thing. let me say something. You real can quick. read into that, but hey, let me say something about this. I got, I got hold out hope for my man Henry that that didn't say much about him. Well, with the rotations, you probably people probably should put something into it. Dwayne Casey, first off, and he just said it outright, he wanted to get the rotation down in preseason. That was one of the things he said he wanted to achieve. But um, if you look at the past, um, it was funny. After So after the first preseason game, um, Stanley Johnson and Andre Drummond both played like 30-some minutes, right? Yeah. And in my, um, in my recap post, one of the things I said was, you know... <laughs> Why did they play so many minutes? It's a freaking preseason game. And then there were a couple yeah. of Raptors fans who came in and commented, and they're like, yeah, if someone could ever convince Casey that you know preseason games don't actually matter, that would be great, because he did the same thing in Toronto. So um, he actually, he it's it's okay to read into <laughs> the rotations a little bit. And um, that's... Yeah, a, I know Stanley, what was it? Stanley was leading the the NBA in minutes after, like, the first three preseason games. They had to, like, yeah. completely sit him for a game because he was playing so much yeah. in the well, he, preseason. He played 31 minutes per game in the preseason, and he missed a game. But, yeah, so, I you know, obviously it is preseason, but with the rotations and such, that actually is worth mentioning because there's a good chance that Dwayne Casey was looking at the rotation as though this was an actual game. Um, so maybe not exactly, yeah, maybe not exactly the minutes distribution, of course, but, um, that's probably pretty close. And so there's a very good chance that he's already basically given up on Henry Ellenson, which, I mean, as much as I don't want that, the reality is it's hard to argue against it. Um, and we're at 30 minutes, so. Um, anything you want to say before we close up? We didn't get to, like, half the stuff we had written down, but that's okay. Um, uh, I, I just want to say that I think that the boat has turned into floaties. I'm just sitting here with floaties <laughs> for Henry Ellison. So We're both at I the top, out, just desperately holding on to the, the, the boat, like, <laughs> no, don't go, stop! Uh, I've ran out of duct tape to, pl- to plug up the holes. It's getting too much. I'm barely above water, but I'll go down. <laughs> we're trying to the boat's totally underwater and we're trying to bail yeah. it with sippy cups. <laughs> what we can. <laughs> Henry, if you if you ever listen to this podcast, Henry, please. We believe in you. We're your fans. 
We need you to help. We need you to help us. Yeah. Hit some shots, my guy. We want <laughs> you to so badly. So. All right, so that's going to be it for today. And um, I don't know for sure. I, they play. I don't even remember when their first game. It's not for a few days. They play tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, Wednesday. Okay, well, it's tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, so this season, um, we'll see exactly how regular it is, but there's going to be more podcasts. Um, I'm, I'm shooting to try and just say screw it and try and do it every day. Um, we'll see if that ends up being realistic schedule-wise or not, but that's what I'm going to shoot for. And, yeah, so me and Ku will be here quite a bit, and then we'll do longer ones over the weekend. So, yeah, that's going to be it for today. Um, thanks for listening. Everyone stay beautiful.